Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. To find out more, visit the website, lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about some of the events today, including the lawsuits for this uh, election. We'll also visit with Byron Donald's new USA U.S. Uh, congressman from our district. We'll visit with Sharon Kennedy, the author of Where Should We Eat, and Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is Friday, November the 13th, if you're suspicious. Uh, that's a pretty meaningful day. Anyhow, on this day in 1861, President Abraham Lincoln paid a late-night visit to General George McClellan, who Lincoln had recently named a chief uh, General-in-Chief of the Union Army. The general retired to his chambers before speaking to the president. This is the most famous example of McClellan's cavalier disregard for the president's authority. Lincoln had tapped McClellan to head the Army of the Potomac, the main Union Army in the East. In July 1861, after the disastrous Union defeat at the uh, Battle of uh, Bull Run, the first Battle of Bull Run, McClellan uh, immediately began to build an effective army and was elevated to general-in-chief after Winfred Scott had resigned the f that fall. McClellan drew praise for his military initiatives but quickly developed an attitude and a reputation for his arrogance and contempt toward political leaders in Washington, D.C. After he had been named to the top army post, McClellan began opening, openly associating with Democrat leaders in Congress and showing his disregard for Republican administration. To his wife, McClellan wrote that Lincoln was nothing more than a well-meaning baboon. <laughs> and Secretary of State William Seward was an incompetent little puppy. Lincoln made frequent uh, evening visits to McClellan's house to discuss strategy. On the 13th of November, Lincoln Seward and uh, the Presidential Secretary John Hay stopped by to see General McClellan. He was out, so the trio waited for his return after an hour Bell came in and uh, told the reporter that the guests were waiting. Uh, McClellan headed towards room without a word, and only after Lincoln waited another half hour was the group informed McClellan had retired to his bed. He felt that the president should have been greatly offended, but Lincoln replied that it was better at this time not to be making points of etiquette and personal dignity. He made no more requests uh, and visits to the general's home, and then marching 1862, the president removed McClellan as the general-in-chief of the army uh, showing great restraint I think the president right now President Trump has shown great restraint with uh, several people he's beginning to pull the trigger now and re retire and uh, fire folks but uh, I know people see him as a counterpuncher quickly but I think he's also pretty strategic in how he handles the situation my just my view well Thursday reported 45 new cases of COVID-19 in Cuyahoga County and two additional deaths uh, no report on the number of hospitalized, and of course, uh, leveling the curve, flattening the curve was the big concern, and I know the cases are now increasing. What we don't know, and what I don't know, and I've tried to find out, is uh, how severe this, this wave of COVID is. Anyhow, news reports this week have declared a sky-high rock, uh, record of COVID-19 hospitalizations throughout the United States. But these accounts have ignored a critical signifier of the public health metric, failing to distinguish the number of patients hospitalized directly because of COVID from those merely testing positive for the disease while in the hospital for other treatment. You see, that's a big concern, isn't it? You may have COVID, but perhaps you're there because of heart failure or a number of other reasons. So to maximize access to COVID-19 vaccines for all Americans, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services today announced the U.S. government's partnership with uh, large chain pharmacies and networks that represent independent pharmacies and regional chains. Through the partnership with Pharmacy Change, this program covers approximately 60% of pharmacies throughout the 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, the partnerships will network ad, uh, administrators. Independent pharmacies and regional change will also be part of the federal pharmacy program, further increasing access to vaccine across the country. 
ensuring access and affordability of the COVID-19 vaccine for all Americans is a top priority for the Trump administration, said Alex Azar, the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services. We're leveraging the existing private sector infrastructure to get safe and effective vaccines supported by Operation Warp Speed into communities and into the arms as quickly as possible with no out-of-pocket costs. The vast majority of Americans live within five miles of a pharmacy, and our new agreement with pharmacy partners across America is a critical step towards making sure that all Americans will have safe access and effective COVID-19 vaccines when they are available. That's pretty. And pharmacies that don't participate can just, uh, in the federal allocation, are encouraged to be part of the solution and uh, coordinate with uh, jurisdictions' health department. So everybody can get on board. Everybody is going to be able to get the vaccine and get it for free. That all under the Trump administration. You may be aware that there's some who are on the task force for the Biden campaign suggest that this should be distributed throughout the globe before it's distributed to the uh, people in the United States. What backward thinking. I just uh, hope this all gets done before the election is final. I'm quite certain that uh, Trump's going to get reelected. We'll see how this all plays out. You know, a lot of folks and a lot of things involved in this, a lot of moving parts, so bad decisions can be made. Now, good news, jobless claims totaled 709,000 last week. The Labor Department uh, uh, reported below the 740,000 Wall Street forecast. That's a representative decline from 557 uh, a week ago. There's still more than 21 million Americans that are still collecting benefits, though the total is declining gradually, and that's very good news. Well, a Pennsylvania judge has ordered that segregated ballots should not be counted, ruling that the state secretary, Kathy Bukvar, uh, lacks statutory authority to override the election law. The ruling stated that the aforementioned uh, county boards are enjoined from counting any ballots that have been segregated pursuant to the court order. Now, I'm not sure that this can have a big result on the results in Pennsylvania uh, and how many ballots are involved. I really don't know. But the important thing is that the judge is responding to the fact that uh, that the uh, Secretary Kathy Bukvar is operating outside the law. She didn't have constitutional authority. Great to see judges reacting that way because there'll be a number of other cases coming up like that. In addition, on Wednesday, President Trump claimed that voting machines operated by Dominion were responsible for the deletion of votes in his favor, resulting in presumed Biden win. He wrote, in in all caps, I'm sure tweeted, Dominion deleted 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Data analysis finds 221,000 Pennsylvania votes switched from President Trump to Biden. 941,000 Trump votes deleted. State-used Dominion voting systems switched 435,000 votes from Trump to Biden. And then report, Dominion deleted 2.7 million votes. Trump votes nationwide. That's a lot of votes, and uh, this is where this is Trump's stake in the ground right now. So, uh, Pennsylvania is a state where votes are still in question, according to the Trump campaign. They still have been ongoing allegations about voter fraud in the state and the issues surrounding admittance of GOP observers to facilities in Philadelphia. Now, Dominion's, uh, based in Toronto, has been the subject of controversy since it was revealed that it had heavy ties to Democrat politicians and lobbyists, Jenna Ellis, the counsel to Trump, you see her on TV all the time, tweeted that Texas has rejected using Dominion voting machines due to uh, security issues. So what about Dominion? Let's take a look at that. Uh, They're at the center of what now is being called Glitchgate. (laughs) It's a Glitchgate scandal as the contested 2020 election was acquired by a private equity firm, Staple Street Capital, in July of 2018. Staple Street Equity was founded by former members of the George Soros-funded Carlyle Group. Executive Director of the Carlyle Group, William Kennard, is Director of Staple Street Capital. Kennard was appointed FCC Chairman during the Clinton administration and was appointed Ambassador to the European Union during the Obama era. On November the 6th, Bloomberg reported that Kennard was named as the next chairman of AT&T Incorporated. Team Obama literally bought the voting machines and software being used to count the votes in this election, that according to an independent media member. That's a pretty serious charge. 
And all, all this evidence is beginning to stack up, showing that uh, somehow, some way, this is inevitable, wasn't it? I mean, it's not just counting pieces of paper that's going to lead to the results of this, but we knew inevitably it just makes sense that with all the technology that we have right now, that somebody would try and use it to destroy the results of the election or at least interfere with them. Uh, former federal prosecutor Sidney Powell said that in an interview that Democrats have invested in the use of Dominion voting systems to commit fraud on elections. She said it. I mean, Sidney Powell, of course, is uh, Michael Flynn's, Michael Flynn's uh, attorney. They have invested in it for their own reasons, and they are using it to commit this fraud to steal votes. I think they've even stolen them from other Democrats in their own party who should be outraged about this also, Powell said. Dominion has links to companies with deep ties to Washington, D.C., deep state. A 2014 State of California document indicated that Dominion's agent of record at the time was Boston lawyer Michael Bakwava of William Hale, former special prosecutor uh, Robert Mueller, works for that firm. Isn't that interesting? And so much other information. So we're going to be talking about the uh, suits filed by uh, the uh, Trump campaign with William Yateman. William Yateman is a uh, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be visiting with him in a moment. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date reading Life in Naples. Find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. All right, we're going to have more on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. By what they find Whoops. funny, romantic, heartbreaking, antic, heartbreaking, and sex. Let's see what happened here. I th- something's going wrong. There we go. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4100. 11 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks 
off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on the board of uh, the Foundation for Government Accountability. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with our U.S. Congressman-elect, Byron Donalds. Right now we have with us William Yateman. As I mentioned, he's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. Terrific organization. C-A-T-O.org. So, William, uh, as being a constitutional lawyer, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the lawsuits uh, about this election. Uh, what, What do you see? Well, I should note at the outset that we've got a number of allegations um, about in a number of states regarding the propriety, the propriety of the election count. Um, uh, the courts are certainly the, the ideal avenue with mm-hmm. which to get to the bottom of these allegations. I mean, the whole point of our uh, adversarial um, judicial process is to, is to engender facts. I mean, you know, again, to get to the bottom of this. Um, However, the wheels of justice are slow. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, this is something I mentioned last Friday, there really isn't much courts can do um, in the face. I mean, even were they to, to unroot, um, to unearth, uh, to prove, even if such allegations of fraud were true or, or impropriety or, or software glitches, um, the fact is that, that courts have a very limited arsenal or limited number of arrows within their quiver um, with which to provide a remedy. So I do caution your listeners that um, no matter how viable or not viable allegations are, it's pretty limited what what courts could do. So let me me just insert here that the president yesterday sent out a tweet, Dominion deleted 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Data analysis finds 221,000 Pennsylvania votes switched from President Trump to Biden, 941,000 Trump votes deleted. State using Dominion voting systems switched 435,000 votes from Trump to Biden. I know he, yeah, he tweeted that. You say, well, that's, that's a claim. Is it true? I suspect it probably is. Well, let's just suppose it is. Um, can't, this, is this would be, uh, of course, usually when you have questions about the vote, you're counting pieces of paper, people that voted are they legitimate and so forth. But this is out-and-out fraud. If somebody uh, called it Glitchgate, I'm, <laughs> I think the name will probably split, <laughs> stick. I mean, uh, would, would the courts not pay attention to this or not investigate it? To be sure, they would investigate it. And again, that they would get to the bottom of the facts. And, and if these allegations are true, we would have on our hands a, a tremendous crisis of constitutional legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what it would, would be limited to. I mean, I, I can't imagine a scenario in which courts, the Supreme Court, I guess, would be the one that would have to do it, would effectively order a revote. I mean, that's just not on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I would imagine, yeah. in, in my opinion, that even were these allegations to be proved true in a court of law, then the result would be a Biden um, administration for four years under a tremendous cloud of illegitimacy. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it would necessarily cause uh, a, it wouldn't uh, uh, lead to a revote, um, but it would very much cast it out uh, Biden's mandate, popular mandate, and would handspring any um, policy agenda that he's trying to achieve. Yeah, you know that's my concern, and uh, now. The uh, attorney general has stepped into this and said he wants to look into the, these irregularities. I think he referred to them, and he's kind of uh, uh, asked his uh, his uh, administration or the, the, in the Department of Justice to do something about it. Start looking into these irregularities state by state. So um, one possibility is to just say, well, we're, we're going to avoid the uh, the the electoral votes from this particular state because we can't determine. Uh, the outcome would that be a possibility? Oh golly! I mean, to be sure, that would be a fraught constitutional question. So yeah. whether or not they could do so to begin with, um, I, I, I surely it would be contested. It's also true that were they to do so, that would uh, perhaps engender even more of a crisis than Joe Biden serving for four years under a cloud of a fraudulent election. And that would just 
Um, I highly doubt yeah. that uh, so, DOJ would take such actions just because it would ignite a, a firestorm perhaps even greater than, again, the, if these allegations were proved true. See, this is what concerns me because I think uh, what I'm inferring from what you're saying is, hey, look, uh, we're concerned about uh, the stability and the, and the, of our institutions, and the courts want, uh, will certainly investigate these problems, but they don't want to upset the institutions that are so important to running this country. Exactly. I mean, it, it, this is where we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, if you will, mm-hmm. um, where even if these allegations are true, the remedy would be uh, as bad um, in terms of, of constitutional disruption as, you know, uh, uh, as the underlying, uh, you know, as the underlying fraud, the voter fraud. So mm-hmm. it, there's just, there isn't much courts can do under our constitutional system. And, and that is, it's a terrible thing. Um, Wait, but here's you know, the, here's the thing, William. Are these people the justices? They have to look at the situation and also say, yes, that's true. The cure could be worse than the disease in one sense. But on the other hand, doesn't it just say, well, that we you know we're just throwing up our hands and say fraud is is here to stay? We're just not going to have good elections. Well, um, I, I would hope not. I mean, again, there there are all sorts of. It's not just this glitch. I mean, we had an unprecedented number of mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. And I know, for example, that France stopped doing mail-in ballots in 1975, mm-hmm. 45 years ago, mm-hmm. because it's potential for abuse. Um, so, uh, no, I, I don't think by any means the Supreme Court would be condoning election fraud in the future. I do think more so it would be a, a recognition of that there just isn't much that could be done. The mm-hmm. Supreme Court can't order a revote. Yeah. Um, you know, that just isn't on the table. And the best I think we can get out of this, um, you know, reasonably speaking, is to get to the bottom of these allegations. Mm-hmm. If they're proved true, then there will be ramifications two years down the road when we go back to the polls to, for the House of Representatives and the, the Senate again. And then two years after that, we go to the polls for the president. Um, so, you know, I think those are the sorts of remedies, electoral remedies, um, that would be at hand for these allegations to be proved true. Now, well, there's certainly got to be some criminal ramifications, too. To be sure, oh, of course, whoever perpetrated, were these allegations true, then whomever, and, you know, were their malintent um, associated with them, then, yes, it, it would be an imperative to, uh, um, to pursue criminal charges against somebody who subverted, you know, our constitutional process. You know, this, this is, uh, I think we're going to have a real constitutional crisis here, because if, in fact, this, these allegations are true, and if they could be proven, and I don't think the president would actually make these claims unless he had good evidence about this, and I've... I've done some investigation into it. I you know, certainly don't have the tools of, of other folks, but this all should be resolved in court. But it's, it's going to be big. I'm, I'm really concerned about where this might go. You and me both. Yeah. Um, it is, these are fraught constitutional times, alas. Absolutely. Before I let you go, uh, any comment about uh, Biden's phone calls to, other, to uh, other countries and the leaders of other countries? It seems a lot like what uh, Michael Flynn was doing back in the day. It's outrageous. I mean, we've we've spoken so many times about um, Michael Flynn and, and what he's gone through and how he's been put to the ringer. But just to refresh your listeners' mind, um, the FBI went out went after him during Obama's lame duck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back then we were told there's only one president at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear Ben Rhodes, who was Obama's former foreign policy advisor, um, brag on MSNBC about how many foreign leaders Biden has contacted. Um, since became the or you know, since the election, um, it was outrageous. And it's, I'll just uh, hammer home this one point: I, I long for the days when the when progressives cared about civil liberties, when they would get outraged over the prospect of, of the federal of the the FBI unleashing state power on an individual. Um, so I mean, you see, the, the world has just turned upside down politically because now we have uh, President Trump and the GOP looking after uh, middle America the, and, and uh, the blue collar workers. And it looks like the Democrats are pretty much focused on uh, the East and West Coast as well as the big tech and what they're doing. And, uh, you know, muting other voices seems to be part of their agenda. It's just incredible to me. I can't speak uh, to, to politics. Uh, I'm not an expert in politics, but my reading of the exit polls and, and all the like um, seems to confirm what you just said. Yeah. Again, uh, William Eatman, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Byron Donalds, our 
congressman-elect here in our district. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us our representative-elect, congressman-elect from our district, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good, thank you. And I understand you're up in Washington, D.C. today getting orientation. Yeah, so member orientation starts today, and uh, you know you have um, you know a lot of members, new members coming in, um, yeah. getting prepared to understand you know the technical office and uh, other aspects of holding office here in D.C. And the other cool thing is that you know we keep add- adding Republican members, yeah. so uh, we have people whose races are like getting called right now, and they're basically you know, leaving their districts and they're on their way here. So our numbers keep growing. Yeah. I mean, just yesterday, big, big announcement up in New York, uh, uh, winning by just a few hundred votes. So we've got somebody coming down who first time who upset a, a Democrat Congress per- person. So it's pretty exciting. So, um, oh, yeah, Nicole, before, yeah, I met her last night. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I did. Very cool. So, um, uh, before you get into the uh, situation today, uh, you had COVID, uh, and, uh, yes. t- t- what, how did that go for you? Well, I mean, it was, you know, for me, it was pretty mild, actually, mm-hmm. you know, just had, you know, a headache and, you know, was tired a little bit, was congested. Uh-huh. Uh, but other than that, I just really just sat in quarantine Yeah. until I was able to, like, you know, my body uh, got over COVID and, you know, we had antibodies. So I was in quarantine for about 10 days. Um in some respects, Bob, it was like the first opportunity to, to really just relax in probably about two years. Yeah. So, you know, you just kind of took it for what it was. But um, I was actually supposed to be with uh, the president on the tarmac in Fort Myers. But, you know, if you come into contact with the president, you have to get tested. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I went and got tested and they said I was positive. I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. Well, it sounds like because you had symptoms, you probably were positive. All there, there have been a lot of false positives as well. Anyway, I wanted to have the conversation only to point out that it's not a death sentence for crying out loud. We got to just calm some of the fears about this thing. 
No, and I think that's the thing. You know, obviously, news reports are starting to gear back up with COVID talk a little bit. Yeah, and talking about how it's just out of control, and I think they're trying to use that as a as a as a placeholder for why the president should just concede and start transitioning. And I think that's ridiculous. But you know, I, I think what people got to understand is that the vast majority of people recover from COVID nineteen. Yeah. Um, if you believe what the media is saying about nine plus million people who have tested positive, and I don't have a reason to doubt that number. Yeah. Um, what it also shows you is that the extreme vast majority have recovered. Yeah. And are back to their normal lives. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is there's probably another five million people in the country easily who have had COVID nineteen who never got tested because they never had symptoms. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing that we have to understand. And so, you know, I think that, you know, what the what the president has said is right. We are rounding the corner. Yeah. A vaccine is on the way. Yeah. Uh, what what Joe Biden's coming out and saying that we might need a four to six week lockdown, <laughs> yeah. I think is just not gonna happen. Um, good luck, yeah. frankly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we go from there. Absolutely, Byron. So I, I really want to get your thoughts about what's happening right now with regard to the presidential election and the lawsuits and, and uh, well, what they're now starting to call Glitchgate because of the glitch of the uh, Dominion software. What are your thoughts? Right. Well, look, I think the first thing is that the president is well within his right to concede. I mean, not to concede to challenge any mm-hmm. state where he feels that there is irregularities and issues, yeah. uh, whether it's Dominion, whether it's the state of Pennsylvania, uh, Supreme Court, arbitrarily changing the date to, upon which ballots can be received. Uh, the president is well within his right to challenge it, and he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the media, with this constant push of just concede, just concede, is the media trying to finish the narrative they started four years ago, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yep. Um, I don't see anything wrong with going through the legal process. Uh, the Trump campaign, the president's campaign, has to present evidence in court. Judges have to make rulings on the evidence pr- pr- provided. And then once that happens, uh, then you can go through the process of making sure that all legal votes are counted and any illegal votes are not counted. Um, once all that stuff is done, then we know what the actual results are and they're certified. Then we move to the Electoral College phase. Um, at that point, the president will have a decision to make. Is he now in the lead? At which now is Joe Biden going to? concede. I doubt that. I think probably Joe Biden will run back in the court mm-hmm. and try to get it back to go the other way. And I think the other thing that's important to know, Bob, for all the people who are saying just concede, uh, Joe Biden is challenging these these lawsuits in court. He's not just sitting on his hands and saying, well, let's just let him sue and we have no uh, countervailing argument. Hmm. I'm quite sure the Biden team is in court challenging every one of these cases. Uh, great point. And of course, he's got the uh, the media on his side as well. I, I saw a couple of articles from the New York Times suggest from attorneys that saying he's got no chance. The the inference was they didn't claim it. So factually, they were correct. They didn't claim that they were attorneys for the uh, Trump campaign, but they implied it. You know, and, and the consequence is it it was supposed to splash on these challenges that Trump is making from from his what they thought what they're suggesting were his attorneys they weren't his attorneys so they've also got the court of public opinion they got the press working for them as well well listen I don't listen to the press Mm -hmm. because the press has been wrong more far more than they've been right Mm -hmm. I mean they spent two years with Russia collusion I mean, let's look. People forget this is what they did. They spent two years with Russia collusion. Mm-hmm. It wasn't true. They didn't try to. They didn't do investigations. Uh, they didn't sit there and say, "Well, let's investigate this internally as a media before we start reporting on this." They just ran with it. Um, they ignore the Hunter Biden story on purpose mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't want to take the time to do, do their investigations, quote unquote. But that's never stopped them from just pushing out innuendo, unsourced, or, you know, or one source or, you know, whatever they've tried to do. And so, you know, I'm not going to listen to, frankly, talking heads. The president has to, has every right to go into court if he sees irregularities and chooses to challenge them. That is what he's doing. When those legal proceedings end, then we could talk about transitions. But until then, let the process run its course. And by the way, I would add, you got five states that's taken them forever to count their ballots. Mm -hmm. I mean, so the counts aren't even done in many of these states. Makes no sense, Byron. You know, my observation is it looks like the Democratic Party has morphed into a party for the elite on either coast and for the uh, big tech and uh, Trump and the way he's morphed the uh, the Republican Party is it more inclusive? Get everybody in the tent, including black people, Asian people, uh, doesn't matter who. You know, he's standing up for uh, everybody and their rights here in America. So it's America first. I think he had some. It's amazing to see how quickly this change has occurred. 
I, I agree with you on that. I think, you know, the Dems, they have a problem on their hands. Um, they have gone very elite. Um, and, you know, they try to look down their, their nose on not just you and I, but on the country. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand these media elites. You know, I think, you know, the president said it once. It's worth repeating. Uh, they don't hate him. They hate us. Mm-hmm. And they hate him because of it. And I think this is this is one of the things that we're going to have to continue to battle, not just here in Washington, but around the country. Great points, Byron. Well, listen, we wish you well up there in Washington, D.C. So, again, so grateful that you'll be serving us for as our congressman. And I uh, think you're going to do a great job up there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sharon Kenny. She's the author of Where Should We Eat? We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show. Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples, Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with old, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Gulf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, growing its current facility. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into home. The 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. Find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions. Visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. I'm sitting here talking to you, Sharon, and I don't even have my microphones potted up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sorry for that. So let me just repeat that uh, Sharon is an author, and uh, her book is Where Should We Eat? She also writes commentary on dining, entertainment, and travel. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning, Bob. It's a fr- it's, it, well, it's, is it Friday the 13th? It, it is, is Friday the 13th. You no know, wonder everything is <laughs> getting come on, so screwed up here. So, Sharon, hey, uh, you're on top of the food scene here in uh, Naples and on the Paradise Coast. What are you, anything going on? So, you know, w- one thing that's really interesting to see is, you know, I'm all about trends and what's going on with trends, and we've got a bit of a food truck frenzy in mm. Naples, which is fun um, and unusual. And uh, so food trucks for me, I've never had a real love for food trucks. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember years ago, my experience with food trucks is I used to work at a university in St. Louis and uh, the, the cafeteria would close over the summer because the students were gone. And so the dean, I remember one summer, said, okay, well, we'll get a food truck to come in. And the food truck was, you know, some boiled hot dogs and yeah. muddy water that was sitting there in the back of the food truck with right. some you know, that's my remembrance of a food truck so 
I don't have great. Yeah. We we I'm used not, to you used to at, at when I was in college. We used to call him the uh, call it the Roach Coach. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, in New York, they sit on the side of the road, and they again, it's the boiled wieners in the in the muddy water. You right. know, that's my remembrance of food trucks. Right, but. There was a movie out about five years ago, and I, I'm struggling to remember what the name of the movie was, but it was about a guy who lost his restaurant, started, uh, uh, I guess he renovated a bus or something, and made it into kind of a rolling restaurant, which eventually became this really hip food truck. And it was actually, I believe, based in Miami. It was. And then he went to I, I saw that movie. I, I yeah, remember watching it. Remember? Yeah. It was. And so that's, I think, I don't know if that started the food truck frenzy, but or it was as a result of the food truck frenzy. But it's kind of made its way to Naples. Yeah. And these are rest. These are rolling restaurants that, um, you know, they're less expensive. They're a way for a chef to get started without all of the problems, the money associated with a real restaurant. And there are, you know, all of the, the landlord issues and, and all of that kind of stuff. And they tend to have more interesting food because they have to, you know, entice you. But then your limitations are what you can kick, cook in the back of a food truck. Right. So very limited in terms of, of food. But, you know, they can be found at various places. They're mm-hmm. also not very reliable in terms of who's where, when. And you kind of have to take your chances if you're willing to go round and round. So there's a few places um, that you can generally find them. Mm-hmm. So um, Celebration Park is uh, an area, kind of a parking lot area on Bayshore and 41, mm-hmm. East, East 41. Uh, if you turn right at the McDonald's, on the way to the um, Botanical Garden. Right. There's a there's a kind of a parking lot area that they tend to gather in, and uh, again the timings are different. Some of them are there at lunchtime, some of them are there around dinner time, and one of them in particular that caught on was called I Love Curry. It has been so popular that they actually have their own standalone restaurant now in that same area, so huh. Bayshore Drive and East Forty One, just hmm. off around Celebration Park. There's a couple of little strip malls in there. Again, you have to really look for it, and it's very limited. Um, but they opened this week. So I love curry. Well, that's interesting. That's great. Just look that up online, and you'll find it. Because they actually are so limited in what they can do, they want you to order the food ahead of time. Mm. Um, farmer's markets is another place where you'll find usually a couple of food trucks. Mm-hmm. Also, Freedom Park, which is the park um, on uh, Golden Gate and... Uh, what is uh, just around the corner there, right up at the entrance to, to what is this? Goodlet Frank and Golden Gate. Yeah, but, around the high school, just across the street from the high school. Uh, In around there, uh-huh. um, you will find another collection of food trucks, usually on Saturdays. A lot of these food trucks are Saturdays. Interesting. Then around brew pubs. So a lot of the brew pubs, not that there's a lot of them, but there are a few brew pubs in town that don't have food service. And their food service is tied to the food truck. And so that is the condition of their licensing. They, have to, they can't be just a, a bar. So they have to have food, but they don't have food premises on site. So they have to have a food truck. Interesting. So that's another place where you'll usually find some food trucks. Um, and as I said, there's often around the farmer's markets. So- but if you Google food trucks Naples, you'll usually come up with a bunch of them. And you can either follow the individual ones online and they'll tell you where they are, or you can call them, see in advance. But it is a bit of a hit and miss thing because of the very general nature. They will find an area, they'll pop up in different areas because they'll find um, that there's a collection of businesses in a certain area that need food. Very interesting. very hit and miss. Hey, remind us about the farmer's market. I have to admit, in all the years I've lived here, 20 years I haven't been to the farmer's market yet. Where is it and when is it? Well, there's a few farmer's markets. The most popular farmer's market, and it is back, but it's very limited still, is the one in Old Naples, which is off of, behind Tommy Bahamas, in the parking lot behind Tommy Bahamas. But one week a month, and I must say, I don't know which week it is. It used to be like the first week a month, and it's on Saturday mornings from 7.30 to 11.30. One Saturday morning, they close off 3rd Street, 
that probably starting in December, if they do that, um, and they take off the whole street. And uh, But right now, the farmer's market in Old Naples is Saturday morning, 7.30 to 11.30, in the parking lot behind Tommy Bahamas. Right. The other one that's very big is um, on uh, airport pulling and, um, oh, goodness, not Pine Ridge, uh, the next <laughs> Vanderbilt Beach Road moment. Vanderbilt Beach, Vanderbilt Beach Road and Vanderbilt Beach Road. Yes, there's a, a I don't know what the name of across the street from the the Ritz Carlton. What is that uh, park? That big mall there. Yeah, uh, that's uh, uh, Vanderbilt Shops, is it? or Vanderbilt Shops, something like that, yeah. So another farmer's market, that's probably one of the largest ones in North Naples. Hmm. Um, that is on Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings as well. Sharon, such and it's a... fun to see that they have actually started up a few businesses from the farmers markets yeah. over the years. Yeah, no, it's just kind of a, what I'm thinking about is somebody that says I want to be in the restaurant business. What a great way to get started, and you don't have COVID nineteen issues to deal with. People come up, buy their food, they figure out where to sit down to eat it, and uh, it sounds like a great way to get started in the restaurant business. You build up a, a following of yeah. people. That's certainly what I Love Curry has done. Yeah. Um, you know, they built up a following so much that they're able to open a standalone restaurant, which is just the American dream. Yeah. Hey, Sharon, you always bring us such interesting ideas. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. Great to talk to you always, Bob. Thank you so much, Sharon. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout-out to Lulubee's Diner. They do a great job there in Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, and uh, they serve lunch and breakfast. It's a great place to dine, to have a lunch or breakfast. They also offer uh, Uber Eats as delivery service and takeout, so that's a great opportunity as well. The reason I mentioned that they support St. Matthew's House and do it, just do a great job. We have with us Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of The Devil Out Our Doorstep, the story about the travails of dealing with union bosses and all their dirty tricks over the course of two and a half years. Dave prevailed. He ended up, uh, <laughs> they, they didn't want to do a secret ballot to unionize his shop. They wanted him to sign a neutrality agreement so that he could go around and sign up all of his employees. He said no, and uh, he won, and he wrote a book about it, The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, Bob. Hope you're doing well, and the storm didn't hurt you too bad down there. No, you know what? Uh, we had we had a lot of rain. We had a lot of wind. Uh, actually, I lost electricity for a few moments down here, but other than that, it was just an inconvenience, no problem. Well, that's good. So, uh, you know, I wanted to just get your thoughts. First of all, uh, are the unions playing a role in all the shenanigans that are going on right now with regard to the election? Oh, absolutely, Bob. I think I've mentioned that to you many times. They, uh, behind the scenes, they're pumping so much. They put so, pump so much money in the Democratic and Biden campaigns to, to get them elected. Plus, they were out there, um, you know, messing behind the scenes with the voting and yeah. that's why i believe there's a lot of fraudulent votes out there yeah and uh because the unions and this is this is a thing that um i uh, just came out yesterday an article i get um from the uh 
Labor Union Institute. Um, it's a, a group that uh, puts out stuff on what the unions are really up to. And they talked about what Biden, you know, what his six or seven top things would be. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the columns, one right above it's increasing minimum wage, $15 an hour, which unions wants to do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the other is, uh, the national labor relations board and, you know, Biden ran on a platform strengthening work, organizing, collective bargaining and unions. And he's, he's expressed strong support for the right to organize act, the pro act, which would uh, significantly strengthen unions, um, and stop, uh, you know, ban employer mandatory captive audience group meetings, uh, required mandatory immediate collective bargaining after a union becomes employees. All the stuff that you do, yep. you, sit down, you, you sit down and talk to your employees what's really going on. Yeah, that. get rid of right yeah. to work. I mean, they'd like to. Yeah, getting preempting states' right to work, um, allowing unfair labor practice claims to be brought as civil actions in court, adding fines and liquidating damages, and, um, also, and this is the, the scary part, uh, President Biden will be able to appoint a majority of NLRB members, giving him an opportunity to appoint individuals who share his views on unions and collective bargaining, who are, and who are likely to overrule many of the precedents issued during the past few years uh, by the presidents. On so and, many fronts, uh, on so many fronts, Dave, this is so, you know, you just think about unions, you think about the borders, you think about, in so many different fronts, that this is, would be such a disaster. If Trump doesn't uh, win these challenges to to the votes and and win in the states that are still not decided, yeah, and um, in immigration, you know that's that's one of the big things the unions are behind too, and that's one of the big priorities of uh, of uh, Biden is to open up the border again because they bring these people in and um, help them get across the border, get them in places, and they force unionize them. Um, so, you yeah. Know, that, yeah, people need to understand what's really going on here, and uh, you know, uh, the um, you know, this is uh, things that uh, the left is trying to do because at the end of the day, they want to control the country. Right. I mean, uh, think about foreign policy, the relationship with China. I mean, I think it'd be good for business actually because you know, uh, they'll be able to continue to steal software and our intellectual property. Uh, they'll be get rid of all the. Uh, uh, tariffs and things that are going on it, it would it would be good for business on the short term but the long term it's going to bankrupt us well that's right and um uh you know when you look at what's going on in this election that and as i've told you SCIU's been behind this a lot of this and by the way if people i wish people would go and read my blog because i should have had it written in a book my blogs because I, I i printed a bunch of them off last night and yesterday and especially yesterday because one of them being veterans day um, one of my blogs back in um, uh, November 2015 was the SEIU Disrespects Veterans Day with Fight for 15 protest. Mm -hmm. And these Fight for 15 protests are the same thing you were seeing against Trump and uh, the election and against me during when they tried to do things uh, to force unionize my people. And, um, you know, the other thing is this election and things going on, um, you look at how they're just going after Trump in major ways on the COVID-19. But uh, if, you, if you look back at uh, what Obama did on the Ebola strategy, he wouldn't do anything. I right. mean, he, he would lock down uh, Africa so that uh, those people couldn't fly into the United States. He still let them fly in here. Yeah. With, COVID, or with COVID, Trump was doing the right things and um, uh, stopping uh, flights into this country and that so we would spread the disease more. Yeah. And this just tells you how hypocritical the left is, and yeah. Obama and Biden, because they were part of the Ebola. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a big rally tomorrow in Washington, D.C. At noontime, I believe it is, the former head of the of Tea Party has organized this thing. And uh, I saw uh, legions of trucks driving to Washington, D.C., dump trucks, pickup trucks, all kinds of trucks, and cars, frankly, went on for miles. So this is going to be a big, big deal. I don't see any expressed... Uh, enthusiasm between, uh, behind uh, Joe Biden, but there is still so much enthusiasm behind Trump. This big thing is going to be happening on it's Freedom Square in the uh, in the uh, in the wall, mall in uh, downtown Washington D.C. It's going to be a big deal. So people need to understand. The, everybody is behind uh, Trump to win this election. I don't see anybody behind Biden. Well, I agree with you. Um, 
you know, again, this is this is a whole thing by the the radical left, the unions, and like the SEIU and Soros and other things, and uh, you know, and some uh, some of these other things and these blogs that I wrote, you know, people, um, uh, I wrote blogs back in in the, you know, I don't know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, somewhere yeah, yeah. Um, about uh, Soros and the SEIU and Soros uh, being the one that started Antifa. And the SEIU supported him, and they were the ones behind Black Lives Matters too. Even though, you know, the news today says now it's just these three ladies that started, but it started back then with a lot worse. Yeah, well, you know, I, and I think I'm seeing some uh, fingerprints uh, all over this uh, Dominion uh, voting voter stuff going on. Glitchgate uh, apparently just strong ties to Soros and to the left there as well. So uh, we've never seen fraud at this level, and I just hope that the courts can address the issue, get their arms around it, get to the bottom of it, and uh, somehow correct uh, the wrongs that have been completed. You know, Trump uh, tweeted out yesterday, 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide were deleted. His analysis finds 221,000 Pennsylvania votes switched from the president to Biden. Can you believe that? I mean, it's just, uh, it's, this is not just counting pieces of paper. This is outright fraud. Well, but you look at all the major areas where this is going on, like Philadelphia. Bob, Philadelphia is a huge SEIU town. Mm-hmm. And um, quite honestly, we don't do much, we don't do any business there because we don't want to put up with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they do, because they control the city and the whole area around it, and that is terrible. Wow. But it's the same way in Chicago, the same way in New York, the mm-hmm. same way in Portland, the same way in Seattle. In the same way, in, in uh, the big cities in California, you know, like Los Angeles and that, and um, that's where you see all this stuff going on. And even in Nevada, Nevada is controlled by the SEIU. It's huge. I mean, they they've organized most of the casinos and other things in in Nevada, and of course all the hotels and stuff like that. See, that's such an interesting insight into what's happening in this election. I'm so happy you brought this up. What's going? Are are is uh, SEIU active in Georgia? Oh yeah, they're big in they're big in Atlanta, and uh, mm. that's um, things that they're going to do. And uh, you know, yeah, for my listeners' benefits, I want I want to understand. I mean, you read Dave's book and you see the horrific things that these people are willing to do to other people is just unbelievable. Uh, making threats uh, to his to families, making uh, threats uh, to uh, his customers, uh, saying awful things about him. And making claims in the National Labor Relations Board, and then, uh, of course, to getting a back page retraction in small print uh, a few weeks later. It's just amazing. Dave prevailed and just uh, fought through it. So I'm going to encourage our listeners to listen to uh, or read The Devil at Our Doorstep and visit Dave's website, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. You can also get a copy of the book on my website, uh, bobharden.com, and, of course, all book purveyors, including Amazon as well. Uh, the Devil at Our Doorstep by Dave Bigo. Dave, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Uh, we're just thinking good thoughts for Trump and getting through this thing. I think he won the popular vote. I hope the courts will will prevail and help it demonstrate that this is true. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And uh, people want to read my blogs. Um, they can go to the com, and that way they can pick it out by month over you know, I wrote the blogs from 2010 to yeah. the end of 2017, and they can see some of these things I'm talking about. And the American people need to wake up that these people, they're hypocrites, even to say, you know, we're going to give you this and do all this and yep, you're going to make yep. more money on it. At the end of the day, they don't care and they won't do those things. People and it, they'll just bring down this country, and people it would be more like Venezuela. Well, I agree with that. It's it's really come down to good versus evil, quite frankly, in my opinion. Dave, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, and uh, have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail dot com. Also, I send out a newsletter after each show. And to receive it, you can put you on the list, bobharden at hotmail.com. On Monday, we're going to visit, visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're kind of a liberal globalist kind of guy, but he's really up to date in what's happening in the world. We'll visit with Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.